Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Leaders Lift. As the host of this podcast, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you tune into this episode. This week, maybe we should take a break. Now, of course, since you're listening to this, you already know I'm not talking about taking a break from the podcast. So many of us tend to go full throttle all of the time. It doesn't seem to matter if it's in our personal or professional lives. And in fact, if you do it in one area, odds are you're going to do it in all areas of your life. Now, if that's the case, your weekends, which many use to take a break from work, are just as busy and stressful as the weekdays, maybe even more so. Now, this week, I had a good friend ask me if I had any plans to relax or tune out this week. I don't, but I should. I want to spend today talking about dialing it back on occasion and taking care of ourselves when needed. I'll start off with a quick story about last Thanksgiving, and then for this week's Little Lift, I'll try and provide some resources that I have read or written recently. And then before I dive into the main topic, I want to review one of the personality style elements that's important to remember as you think about your own self-care. Just a quick note before we dive in, there are a couple of ways that you can help me move this show forward. First would be to share the show with others, or go in and do a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. The more the audience grows, the more feedback I can get and continue to improve the content I'm providing. Now, if you'd like to provide feedback, go to www.mountnebelconsulting.com survey. I'll put a link in the show notes. That's www.mtnebconsulting.com survey. You'll find a very short survey there. Only one question is required, and that'll also give you an opportunity to get on my email list or to receive my favorite books list. Now for a couple of quick personal stories related to this topic. The most recent prompted me to write a LinkedIn and a blog post about dialing it back, balance, and priorities. The first story happened years ago when one of our kids had just been born. I'm talking about right after they had been born. I had planned on taking a full week off immediately after that. And by about day three of that time off, I had taken so many calls and spent so much time working that my wife told me to just go back to work and save my time off for when I could actually use it. That should have been a hint to me that I needed to make an adjustment, but instead I just went back into the office. Now, in looking back, I realized this was a pattern, and until the last couple of years, I always carried vacation time over. In fact, one year the leadership team I was a part of had used so little vacation and carried so much over that they decided to do a cash payout to get us caught up. Now, the second story was just this last Thanksgiving. I had just been laid off from my full-time position and was working on a plan to transition into what I'm doing today. Anyone that's the primary breadwinner in their family and has been laid off can relate to the pressure I was feeling to make sure that I could continue to provide. I wouldn't say that I was feeling overwhelming pressure as we'd be okay for a while, but if I combine that pressure with my chronic problem-solving tendencies, it just wasn't a great mix. So we had traveled out of, our t- out of town with our camp trailer to southern Utah, warmer weather, and were planning on spending the entire week there. I, of course, took my work equipment with me and thought I could get in a few hours of work each day, either while kids were still sleeping or whatever. Now, on top of that, I also planned on doing a bunch of mountain bike riding while I was there. Again, the better weather. Now, day one was a travel day and was consumed by that and camp setup, so I was already feeling a bit behind. On day two, I broke out my laptop and started working. Now, shortly into that, I saw a post on LinkedIn, and it reminded me of those earlier experiences working when I should have prioritized other things, particularly my family. 
I realized I was doing the exact same thing that week. It also made me think about how much of a difference working during that Thanksgiving week would really make. The conclusion I came to was that those few days were absolutely not going to make or break what I was trying to accomplish. So I decided I didn't need to work every day and wrap things up and then set myself some limits for laptop time. I knew I wouldn't be able to step away completely. So how much did I really dial things back? Well, here's how the rest of the week went. I mentioned that I had planned on doing a lot of bike riding. And how my first ride was epic and I really enjoyed it. It It's exactly why we went down to that location. Long distance, new trails, and some definite downtime, which is what an introvert like me needs. I felt so good, I thought the next day I could do another epic ride, new trail, long distance, etc. And then I'd ride Thanksgiving morning, Friday, and maybe even get a short ride Saturday before we drove home. Well, on day two, I thought I could do just as intense of a ride as day one. Nope. I got a ride in, but had to cut it short as I was just worn out. Now, at least at that point, I realized I needed to take a break, so I didn't ride on Thanksgiving itself. I ended up going on another amazing and intense ride on Friday, but Saturday again, I just couldn't get another ride in. My problem when I decided to set aside work was that I just replaced work with something else. I know working and mountain biking are not the same thing, but I didn't do a good job of listening to what my brain and my body needed at that time. I mentioned in the intro that if we go all out in one area of our lives, there's a chance we'll do that in other areas as well, and that's exactly what happened here. So as you listen to the rest of the episode, I want you to think about what it really means to dial it back for you. It's different for each of us. We can't always dial back work just to dial up other areas of our lives. Sometimes we need to dial all of it back. Now that second story was prompted by an article from the Harvard Business Review called Burning Out, Giving Yourself Permission to Dial It Back. And another related article I read recently was called In Defense of Extreme Moderation. I'll put links to both of those in the show notes, and I'll talk about the principles in them later in this episode. But just think about the titles. Isn't it better to have moderation and to give ourselves permission to dial it back, to dial back our intensity and take care of ourselves when needed? I'll also refer you to a blog post from last year on my site. It's about priorities and balances, balance, and I'll, I'll put a link to that and those articles in the show notes. And then just a quote to think about as we dive in. This is from Russell M. Nelson. Temperance can protect each of us from the aftermath of excess. I should have been thinking about that last, last Thanksgiving when I thought I could do all of that riding when what I really needed was moderation. Now this leads into our intro topic for today, and it relates to several of our previous episodes. How can you possibly hope to take care of yourself if you don't know yourself? How will you know when you need to dial it back? How will you know what to do to effectively do so? How do you know what moderation looks like for you and what impact it might have on your life? The answer to these questions comes in the various ways we have talked about getting to know ourselves. We're generally pretty good about reading the signs our physical bodies send us when something is not right. We remove our hand from the fire because it burns and we feel pain. We start shivering when, uh, If we start shivering, we know we either have a fever or need to get warm. We also have devices like smartwatches and health monitors that can tell us when something might be amiss, but not all of the signs of burnout, mental exhaustion for example, are as easy to identify. So we have to learn about our own signs and triggers. 
And I've covered a lot of that in previous episodes, but let's just do a simple recap here that will lead into the rest of the episode. First, you need to understand if you're an introvert or an extrovert. As a reminder, introverts recharge their batteries through more solitary activities. Extroverts recharge by being around others. I know that's a simplification, but if you want more, go back to my episode called Introvert versus Extrovert. Now, the attributes of an introvert or an extrovert will help you understand when you're most likely to need a break and also how to recharge. If you're an introvert and are constantly around people because of your responsibilities, then that is going to drain your energy quicker. You'll want to learn when you're at your limits and then do things to recharge. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. I have a good friend, the same one that asked me if I had plans to relax this week. He and his family go on multiple cruises a year, and that's one of the ways that he relaxes. For me, just the thought of being stuck on a boat with thousands of other people and not being able to get away just sounds absolutely draining. I prefer to take my home, my camp trailer, with me on vacation. I've mentioned that I even take it when I visit family because it allows me to get away. Going on a cruise feels like the absolute opposite. I've even changed my perspective on camping and biking. I follow a few bikers and full-time RVers on YouTube. One of those bikers does these epic overseas trips. Most recently, he was in Peru, and the rides were absolutely amazing. But as he talked about lost luggage, he lost his bike actually at the beginning, and navigating the foreign environment, I decided I would just ride those trails virtually through him. A lot of the full-time RVers also move around a ton. Some of them chase 70 degrees, so they want to be wherever it's going to be 70 degrees. And a couple of them are in Baja, California right now, down in Mexico. As they talked about the logistics of making that work, it reminded me, I'd just rather stay local. They also talk a lot about travel days, since they tend to move campgrounds every couple of weeks. They've stayed in some amazing places, but as I evaluate who I am and what would stress me out or recharge my batteries, I've also come to realize that why it would be awesome to see all those places, I don't think I'd really want to change locations every week and deal with all the logistics, and logistics in my head becomes problems to solve that come along with that. I feel the same way about traveling overseas for work or for vacation. I know that's a dream that a lot of people have. I've traveled overseas. Not extensively, but I've been to a few countries. On one of my trips, I even flew around the world by the time it was done. Now, as an introvert, overseas travel can be a mix of energy drain, but also provides some opportunities to recharge. For example, under the right circumstances, I can get a lot of rest and recharge on those really long flights. But where I struggle and what makes me not want to travel overseas anymore is the thought of the myriad of problems that have to be quote unquote solved. I don't see that as a vacation, even if I was going on vacation. I see that as just trading one set of problems to solve for another. And that's the problem with the problem solver, or even someone that wants to go all out all of the time. It's hard to find a way to downshift. And that's one of the reasons I like to mountain bike. Or at least I do now that I have already solved the problems of which bike and repairs and what gear I need to have, etc. Once I get on a ride, unless I have to repair a tire or something, there are minimal problems to solve. I just need to know where I'm going. There's an app for that. And ride well so I don't end up on the ground. That's relaxing for me. So those are just a couple of examples from my own life on knowing what would be recharging for me and what might not. Think about this in your life. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? If you want to recharge, what activities will align and which will make things worse? 
And again, if you want more on this, check out my introvert versus extrovert episode after you wrap this one up. Beyond being an introvert or an extrovert, knowing some of your habits, flow, and triggers will also help you know when to dial it back. Let's say you do some of your best thinking at night, but have had a full week of early morning meetings. That could lead to a need to dial it back. If you understand your default behaviors, especially those potential pitfalls that you've been working to improve on, then you might be able to tell that it's time for a break. Let's say, for example, that one of the potential behavioral pitfalls is talking too much in meetings. You've been working on it and been doing pretty good. But the last couple of days, you've either noticed or someone else has mentioned how hard it is to get in a word around you. This could come from a boss, a colleague, or even a family member. Now, that could be an indicator that you need to dial it back a bit. Default behaviors and how extreme they are can be a good measure because the more stressed we get or the more tired we are mentally or physically, the more likely we are to resort to our default behaviors. They take less energy than deliberately trying to do something that doesn't come naturally to you. So there you go. Know your triggers, know the signs, know your habits, and then know the best way for you to recharge your batteries. And that's a good start. So let's take a deeper dive into this whole concept of dialing it back. I'm gonna use that term going forward, but it could mean taking a partial break, a complete break, a vacation, short or long, slowing down, or many other things. Use whatever makes the most sense for you. Now, one of the reasons I decided to tackle this subject today is an experience I had a week or so ago. I was looking at a part-time career opportunity. It sounded great, and I think I would have enjoyed it, but due to current economic circumstances, what part-time looks like for that position was more than I had previously thought. And as I thought about the opportunity, I realized that between my current client list, this podcast, and a new podcast I'm working on, and all of the different things going on outside of my company, I just didn't think I could commit to the number of hours. I really wanted to, but I ultimately decided that the timing just was not right. Now, once I made that decision, I really felt at peace with it. And since that day, things have gotten even crazier. And as I talked about this with my wife and a few others, we all agreed that I made the right decision. And I want to share with you some of my thoughts in reflecting on that and my previous experience and hopefully a few tips and tricks that you can apply when deciding just how much to take on in life and how you dial things up and down as needed. Now, in today's world, things are more complex than ever. Even with all of the conveniences we have today, running water, electricity, internet, it seems like we still manage to fill all of our time and not get everything done. But think about how much time those that work remotely are saving. I know when I lived in Houston, I added two to three hours each day onto the workday just to commute. So how are you taking advantage of the things that save you time, whether it be remote work or whatever the case may be? My guess is that the majority of people find themselves in the position where that time is still getting consumed and maybe not in the way that they would like. I've talked a lot about the need to be deliberate in all kinds of areas in our lives. So take a look and see if you're deliberately deciding how to fill that extra time you have and actually following through on it. The other piece of this is that are we taking an opportunity to fill at least some of that time with things that are less intense or are we applying our normal goal full throttle approach to that time as well? I mentioned that I used to have long commutes. Some of that time I actually used public transportation versus driving myself. And when I would get on the long bus ride, I'd always think about tackling that extra to do or something that I need to work on for work or home or church. It was so tempting. Most of the time, however, I found myself putting on my headphones and just relaxing, which really meant napping. 
Either way, it ended up being time for me to defrag after the stresses of the day. Now, when I moved to remote work, what happened? Did I get done with work and then take a 30 to 90 minute nap? Did I just chill for that time? Nope. I filled that time with other stuff, some of which was just as intense as work. Now, don't get me wrong. I have zero desire to go back to having that kind of a commute. But I use this as an example of what we tend to do when we find ourselves with newfound extra time. Think about your weekends. I know that when I had a more traditional job, I could rarely just take a relaxing weekend. Some of that was due to scouting and church responsibilities, but even when those were minimal, I was more stressed out trying to relax instead of finding something meaningful to do. And I still struggle with this today, even though I have more control over my schedule. In theory, all of my tasks related to this podcast can be done on my own timeline. My client schedules are not a challenge, and so I have a lot of flexibility, and I try to take advantage of it. Yesterday, I went for a walk early in the a.m. because it was supposed to snow a bunch during the day. It's just one example of things I can do. But a lot of the time, I find myself drawn back to my office when I really don't need to be or when I could prioritize with the time with the grandkids instead. Now, most of that is due to restrictions and deadlines I've set for myself in my head, and I'm guessing that I'm not alone in doing this. We set these expectations of ourselves or we think, you know, go back to our habits of having a traditional job where we've got to work 40 hours, eight hours a day, five days a week. We set these kinds of limits on ourselves and then we don't take advantage of time the way maybe we could. Think about this upcoming weekend. Do you have plans? If so, I hope they're designed to help you recharge before the start of the next week. For those of you that don't have plans, how do you think you're going to spend the time? For me, if I don't have plans for a weekend, Saturday can easily become an extension of the week. And when I do that, I find myself Sunday afternoon anxious and frustrated. Frustrated that I haven't been able to dial things back and anxious that I have things that need to be done starting Monday. If you're a work from home employee, think about how often you blur the lines that used to be pretty set and differentiated. I think about the days when the only computer I could work on was physically in the office and I literally couldn't take it home with me. Then came pagers. Those were followed by phones, text messaging, and then smartphones. And I think remote work just extends all of that out. Now, the other piece that complicates dialing things back is the uncertain and ever-changing economy. And there are two pieces to that. The uncertainty drives people to think that they can't afford to dial it back without risking their job security. That can then be compounded with those that feel they must have a side hustle, either to try and compensate for inflation or to try and be prepared just in case their job is eliminated. Then there are those that have a side hustle or even self-employment with the hopes that one day they will have more control over their professional and personal lives. Now, when I was traveling for work, I most often took ride shares versus renting a car. And quite often I would get rides back to my hotel at the end of the day with folks that were doing the ride share only during their commutes. At the time I thought that was genius. If they could get a ride or two in the right general direction, pays for the gas on the car, and then you would have just spent that time doing nothing anyway or just driving, so you might as well get paid to do it. But as I look back, I have to wonder how much real benefit they got from it. Did that dial back the stress meter? or make it worse? And were there better ways to use that time? Now, I don't have this all figured out even for myself. I have this constant drive to be doing something meaningful. I do know that I need to do a better job of shifting my mentality to realize that sometimes taking it easy physically and or mentally is just as meaningful as solving that next problem or tackling the next item on my to-do list. 
Maybe I need to frame my own self-care as a problem that I need to solve. So there you have it for an introduction. Let's take a little bit of a break and then come back in and we'll talk about some possible meanings of dialing it back, ways to do it, and what some of the potentials of dialing it back might be. If you're enjoying this episode, remember to subscribe. It's free and share it with others in your circle. Reviews are also a great way to spread the word. And if you want more leadership and personal development resources, be sure to visit my website at www.mountainebelconsulting.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email list. So what does it mean to dial it back? Now, the answer to that is a classic. It depends. Not what you wanted to hear, right? Well, maybe not, but that is the answer. It depends on who you are, what you're trying to get out of life, what stage of life you are in, your personality style, what is going on in your life, your whole life, not just part of it, at that moment, and probably hundreds of other factors that I can't name here. In, our last, in my last assignment, our director was a good example of recognizing the need to dial it back and then doing her best to figure out how exactly to do that. I don't have all of the details and I wouldn't share them here if I did, but I think a high-level overview of her story is beneficial. Before I joined her team, she had decided that she wanted to adjust her schedule in order to be around for her family during key parts of the day, things like taking her kids to school. Now, the company culture at the time was such that this made a lot of sense and she could do it. Eventually, though, she decided that she hadn't adjusted the dial enough. As she discussed this with her VP, he suggested that instead of her stepping clear away, that maybe she could take a leave of absence. This was an amazing gesture from the organization, and that's what she ended up doing for a few months. I talked to her a bit during her leave, and it seemed like it was the exact thing she needed at the time. And then I had a chance to talk to her right before she returned to work. We were discussing some of the things I've been incorporating into this podcast, and the one statement she made that really stuck with me is that she had a new vision of what success meant to her. I don't know if she would describe the experience as life-changing, but in my interactions with her, she certainly seemed to be in a very different place. Now, I can relate to this experience in a lot of ways I think most of you can as well. With the demands placed on us in all aspects of our lives, this applies as much to our personal responsibilities as our professional ones. I think we all feel some inherent pressure to keep turning the dial up. In fact, some of us may believe that the dial only goes in one direction. So when we hit a breaking point, there's this desire or idea that if I just turn it back just enough, I should be able to get by. I think that's a myth for most people. Sure, there are some out there that thrive only when they're going 1,000 miles per hour at anything they're doing. But I believe that even those individuals will reach a point where they can't keep up the pace. There are hundreds of levels of dialing it back. Everything from just needing a moment to compose yourself to needing to step away completely from whatever is causing the tension and pressure. And at some point in our life, we may need to use every single one of the settings on the dial. And I'll talk about some ways to do that a bit later in the episode. The general idea here is that if we want to achieve our goals, get the most out of life and reach our fullest potential, we can't expect to continually turn the dial up and get there. Most likely we're gonna burn out. I mentioned earlier about the need to be deliberate with what we do with our free time. Well, this is another thing we need to be deliberate about. We need to control the dial and not let someone else or the circumstances in our lives do so. Now, you might be saying to yourself that it's impossible to control all of those things so we can set the dial perfectly. I would agree with you. But taking our hand off the dial and letting it just spin means it'll only go up. If we want to dial it back, it's going to take deliberate effort. <music> 
So is it worth the effort to control the dial as much as you can? And can we really influence it? The answer to both of those questions is yes. So why do we need to work at it? And what benefits will we find? I've already talked about one of the biggest benefits of dialing it back, and that's the recharging of our batteries. Think of a weightlifting or similar fitness routine. If you're working with a trainer, are they gonna have you do the same exercises every single day? They aren't. You're gonna rotate between exercises. Why? Well, first you wanna have well-rounded fitness. So you need to work out all of the muscle groups and mix in core and cardio. But the other reason for that is so that you give your body time to rest and recharge. Constantly breaking down the same muscle will actually not yield the results that you want. You have to push it and then rest it and then rinse and repeat. Our non-physical lives are like that as well. If we don't give our minds the same opportunity to rest and recharge, we're going to eventually start going backwards. How many times have you looked at something 10,000 times and not been able to figure out what's wrong? Then you walk away and come back even after a small recharge and find the issue right off the bat. Or have the answer come to you when you're focused on something else completely? Everybody says their best ideas come while showering. I remember one time when our company network was having some major issues. All hands on deck to try and figure out what the issue was. People were sleeping at the data center to try and figure out the problem. You know who found it? The person they brought in after a couple of days for a fresh perspective. Those most qualified to find the issues were completely burned out and they just couldn't see it. So. Refreshing our mental capacities is one benefit of recharging our batteries. That's kind of an indirect benefit. The direct benefit has to do with our energy levels. I talked in a previous episode about how draining professional conferences are to me. Just needing to engage with that many individuals consistently over the course of a conference leaves me with very little energy. Traveling for business does the same thing. I may be working with the same people, but there's something about being in person. And then, of course, when you travel, you try and squish in as much as possible. So that also drains more energy. I mentioned that extremely long international trip earlier in the episode. By the time I got home from that trip, I literally had nothing left. We got home on a Thursday and we're told we didn't need to be in the office on Friday. I showered and we went to a restaurant. I needed some good old-fashioned comfort food. But by 5 p.m., I was out. And I didn't wake up until Friday afternoon. I essentially slept most of that weekend. Now, you'd think that that would have reset everything, but it didn't. It took almost a full month before I felt like I could get up in the morning and have normal energy throughout the whole day. Some of that was because I didn't understand, like I do today, ways that I could recharge my batteries. I could have been doing some of those things, some of the things that I'll mention later in this episode. Instead, I tried to get back into my normal routine, which was very intense as quickly as possible, as that's what I felt was expected. Now, I would definitely do things differently if I could do it over. In subsequent follow-up trips, I managed them very differently. First, they weren't nearly as long, and second, I deliberately did things during the trip to recharge, and that made a big difference. Now, one final reason we want to dial it back is that it provides us an opportunity to gain a new perspective. I'm not just talking about thinking more clearly, like solving that network problem. It's more like my previous boss coming back with a new definition of success after having dialed it way back for a while. I think I've mentioned this, but both times I've been laid off, I've realized how far out of whack I was before that happened. And it's unfortunate that it took being laid off to help me gain that perspective. If I had been better about knowing when and how to dial things back, I might have realized how off track I was, and I could have been deliberate about dealing with it. 
it's just so hard to see what is really going on when you're in the thick of things. I was watching a football movie earlier this week, and in one scene they pointed out that the coaches in the box had a better view of the whole field versus the players executing the play. And that's the kind of perspective change you may need, and dialing things back is one way to get it. So we've talked about what may be reasons for us to dial things back and why it's tough to do so. We've also talked about what it means to dial it back and why we should, along with some of the benefits we realize by doing so. None of those lists are comprehensive, so I hope that they have at least, you've at least found something in them that you can relate to in your life. Let's wrap up the episode talking about some of the ways you can dial it back. I'll try and cover various degrees of dialing back small adjustments to more dramatic ones. Now, my first caution is not to dial back in one area and dial it up in others. Talked about that a little bit earlier. You can do that. In fact, we do it all the time. But what I mean is if you really need to dial things back, it may not be do any good to dial your professional dial all the way back and turn your personal one up just as much or even more. So if you've identified the need to dial it back, do it. Another way to dial it back is to look for moderation. My quote earlier was about how moderation helps us avoid the problems that come from excess. Think about eating. I'll admit this is something I love to do. My favorite restaurant is a Brazilian churrascaria called Rodizio. All you can eat salads, don't fill up on the salads, sides, and then roasted meats. It's not a cheap restaurant, so we don't go very often. Luckily, my wife really enjoys the salad variety. See my earlier note about not filling up on the salads. So I can convince her to go there occasionally for special events. The problem is that I almost always overeat and end up suffering for a couple of days afterwards. I keep going back, so it must be worth it in some way. But the last couple of times we've gone, we went during the lunch hour. You only miss out on a few dishes, but it's quite a bit cheaper. I found that when I do that, I don't feel as much pressure to get my money's worth, which almost always means excessive eating and suffering afterwards. So there's a good lesson that if we can find moderation, then we don't have to deal with the excess, the aftermath of the excess. So how do we apply this beyond overeating? Think about moderation or some sense of balance in our lives. If we work too much, we can burn out. If we rest too much, then we get into habits of idleness, which are extremely hard to break. If we focus too much on work, then we can neglect our personal lives. And if we focus too much on everything, then generally we end up sacrificing our own self-care. But if we work as much as we need to, working as much as you need to to properly support our families financially, then we may find more time to enjoy the fruits of our labors with our families. If we find a way to spend the right amount of time with our families, including individual time with each of the kids, then we may find more time to serve at church. But if we don't moderate our focus and effort in each of these areas and be deliberate about it, we'll find some areas will get excess attention and the others not enough. All of these areas won't always be equal or stay perfectly moderated. Sometimes we have so much going on with our families that we can only give the bare minimum at work. Other times work is so intense, and for good reason, that we have to set aside some of the external priorities. But look for moderation. Another way to look at this is in terms of good, better, best. Many years ago, a church leader gave a talk about choosing between things that are good, things that are better, and things that are best. He used the analogy of the old school catalogs where shoes had three prices. The good ones were the cheapest, and the best quality ones were the most expensive. Most of the decisions we make in relation to our time are about choosing between good, better, and best ways to use our time. 
If I find myself with a free hour, I could spend it reading a book, going for a walk, or spending time with my family. Which of those is good, better, or best would depend on a lot of factors. I may need the walk for my physical health, and because I have not had any introvert time all day. Or if my grandkids have been asking all day for me to play horsey with them, that might be the best use of my time. Now, this is another area where we should make deliberate decisions about what is best and not always assume that what is best for you personally is not the best thing. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish so that it allows you to lift others. So what do you do when you have several good things to choose between? You're going to have to learn to say no to more things. I've read that one of Steve Jobs' core philosophies was that the things you say no to will have a bigger impact than the things you say yes to. I interpret that to mean that if you don't say no often enough, you won't be able to focus on the best things. That ties those two principles together. So learn to say no and work on shifting your mindset so that when you need to say no to something for someone else and take care of yourself, you don't make the situation worse by feeling guilty for doing so. Another thing I believe is key for all of us is to find a place of peace and refuge. I have several of these in my life. Going to the temple weekly with my wife is one of those places. I had a manager that for him it was weekly prayer. I also find peace and refuge camping and riding my bike, especially when I can combine those two. Now, up until a few years ago, all of our camping was done in tents. Now that's how it works with the scouts. And one year I spent 27 nights sleeping in a tent. Now some of those experiences were better than others. When we moved back to Utah, I knew that camping was a refuge for me, but I couldn't tent camp that often due to the difference in weather. I refuse to camp when there's snow and when it's below zero. So we considered buying a camp trailer. We had one when I was a kid, but that was a long time ago, and I really didn't know much about them. I also struggled because this was a significant investment. And I was talking to my sister about this one day, and she told me to think of it as a really expensive prescription. I thought that was pretty good. Since I knew that camping was a way for me to recharge and was a benefit to my life as a whole, not to mention something we enjoyed doing as a couple and a family, that it would be a benefit. So we took the leap. That was a few years ago, and we're on our second trailer. And last year, we spent right around 70 nights sleeping in the trailer. It's interesting that I find myself actually getting more work done when I work from a campground versus most days here in my home office. In the last couple of weeks, we've also booked a few camping trips for this year. With so much going on, I've been hesitant to book them. It's easy to revert back to saying that you can't afford to dial it back, right? But my wife finally pushed me and told me to just book them, and I needed that push. So if someone that is close to you is pushing you to dial it back, listen to them. Now, another way that you can dial things back is to take a look at your level of mental investment in something, especially in things that you can't control. This might be easiest with an example. I'm super competitive. And for those of you that know me, that immediately reacted with duh, no kidding, or just started rolling your eyes, remember I'm a work in progress. I tend to translate that into things that I'm not directly involved in. For example, my kids' sports. I'm not the kind of parent that's so intense in pushing them to become professional athletes. But what I have found is that I get way too invested in things going well for them. I've only gotten a high heart rate warning twice on my Apple Watch, and both times it was while I was watching one of my son's soccer games. Bad part about this is that the second time it happened was in a game that we won 5-1, to one, so there was no reason to be intense. But that game reminded me what I've had to do each year for sports and what I had to do when my oldest son was competing for solos and other recognition in his orchestra. I had to deliberately work on how intense and how much I invested in those kinds of things. I had to dial back the intensity in all of these cases. Now, I didn't dial it back to the point where I didn't care if they did well or not, 
but I had to back it off a bit. Just a few more ways that I personally work on dialing it back. This will be more relatable to the introverts out there. For those that are diehard extroverts, just find something that's the opposite of what I'm telling you. And actually, I love for the extroverts listening to write in and let me know some of the things you do to dial it back. And I can then share those on a future episode. So here are my suggestions. Books, movies, TV shows. Take a nap with the little ones on occasion. I got to tell you, taking a nap with one of your grandkids is an amazing experience. Get some exercise. For me, this is solo exercise away from other people. The thought of a gym, or even worse, a class at a gym, just makes me tired. For you extroverts, that's one where you definitely can do the opposite. Don't use any of these things as an excuse to do nothing. I know that may sound like a contradiction, but we're likely to feel worse after doing it all, nothing at all versus doing too much. At least I know I do personally. And then if you're reaching a point where you really need to dial it back, you probably need to plan for this. Think about taking a vacation. If you know that vacation to the campground you've always wanted to visit is just what you need and not a moment too soon, make it happen. I'm not just talking about saving for it or planning the trip. I'm also talking about putting in the time and effort beforehand so that you can dial it back. Sometimes that means putting in extra time training someone to cover for you or making sure that you empty your to-do list of everything so you don't have that weight on your shoulders. For me, that also meant signing off of and removing email from my smartphone. It was just too easy waiting in line for whatever to open my email to get rid of the badge and then get sucked into things that could have waited. Now, lastly, as a leader, you need to give yourself permission to dial it back, but you also need to give others permission to do so. You can do this by setting a good example. My boss that took a leave of absence was a great example of this. And think about the impact of something as simple as answering email after hours. If you do that consistently, what will those you lead think is expected of them? Now, beyond being an example, you should also consider helping others figure out when and how to dial it back. You're going to lead a lot of individuals that feel like they should go at full speed all the time and no matter what they're doing. I know I thought that early in my career and with my family. I still struggle to not go out all of the time. So give them actual permission to dial it back when you know they need it. You seem exhausted and we've made a lot of progress. Why don't you take the rest of the day off? Sometimes individuals are just looking for their leader to acknowledge and make it okay to do so. Now, one last story here. When I was on one of my international trips, we had just rolled out a major project. I was overseas with the team executing. And this was the culmination of months of work. I was talking to my boss who was back in the States and I think he could hear the exhaustion. He suggested I take some time and take the team out on an activity or something like that. That would have been fine, but remember, I'm an introvert. So if I'm already tired, is that really a good thing? Now, he had built up enough trust with me that I felt comfortable proposing an alternative. I told him, let me just treat the broader team to a great meal and then let me come home early. He didn't hesitate. That's what we did. I just needed him to tell me it was okay to be tired and to do something about it. Well, I hope that you found something that you can take away from this episode. Maybe you've been wondering why you didn't seem to have enough energy and weren't sure why. Or maybe you were looking for ways to help your team avoid burnout. Burnout is real, and I think it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue, especially in parts of the world where we struggle to use our allotted time off. I know that's the case in the U.S., and with the uncertain economy, the natural inclination of most of us is going to be to take even less time off. Other places in the world, they take weeks off at a time. 
When was the last time you really disconnected even for a day or two, let alone for a week or more? Maybe that's not your style and that's fine. But we all need to learn when we've reached a point where a little bit of dialing back will be beneficial. So give yourself permission to dial back. Give those you lead permission to dial back when they need it. Be deliberate in managing your energy. Find those small things you can do to dial it back enough that when you have to turn the dial the other way, you're ready. Not all of my bike rides are epic. Sometimes it's only 30 minutes around town and then I can get back to other things. But sometimes I need to take a few days in the camp trailer and not worry about the internet connection. Find what works for you. Help others find what works for them. And I think you'll see some extraordinary things happen. If you want to be notified of future episodes, hit the subscribe or follow button or follow Leaders Lift on Instagram. You can also visit our website for more great content and resources to help you on your leadership journey. And check out the show notes for all of the relevant links and takeaways from this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Now go out there and keep lifting. Keep lifting.